0: Well, good morning Greenwich and welcome to the Tuesday, March 14th edition of the Basement Academy. Uh, Before we get going with a morning psalm, let me remind you, last call for questions. So if you've got any questions, submit them through the little portal there, the little text box on the church website or email me directly. I think we'll be wrapping up questions this week, might spill into a little bit into into next week, uh, depending on what response is. So let's let's, uh, begin with a morning psalm. So this is Psalm 14. We've read this before. It kind of plays a little bit into the question. uh, The questions we'll be answering today. This is for the director of music, a Psalm of David. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will evildoers never learn, those who devour my people as men eat bread and who do not call on the Lord? There they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Amen. David reminding himself in prayer of the reality of the human condition. (laughs) all are corrupt all have turned aside there's no one who does good ourselves included felix culpa right oh happy sin we who realize that we are sinners are the ones who who run to the savior the world who says there is no god then there's no sin if there's no god there's no sin right there's no accountability so why do we need to seek a savior so, I think this sits as an interesting backdrop to today's question. Um, I'm going to read a couple passages 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and 2 John, a um, couple verses in 2 John. Uh, the, the question comes this way There are so many passages throughout the Bible opposing friendships with non believers. And then gives these two passages as examples. I'll read them in just a moment. However, Jesus was a friend of sinners and many were transformed by his words and deeds. Should we as Christians be in fellowship with non-Christians? Are we not supposed to seek out these relationships in order to be a witness? I ask because I have several atheist and agnostic life friends, lifetime friends. My children ask to befriend and form relationships with non-believers and I want to know how to respond to them, that is to the kids. Great. What a great question. Woof. Really good. Um, let me begin by reading 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. Paul writes, "Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial, which is Um, another name for Satan what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols for we are the temple of the living God as God has said I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people therefore come out from them and be separate says the Lord and so now he's quoting uh, the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So the passage cited by the, the in the question here, there are many passages opposing friendships with unbelievers, and then cite second Corinthians. Well, it's a little bit out of context, okay? What Paul is writing about here is this, a situation in, in um, ancient Corinth. Okay, so this is 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He's writing, it's a very cosmopolitan city, a very worldly city, very libertine city that was shaped by pagan idolatry, not by Christianity. Okay, so Christianity is a minority belief in a larger pantheon as it were of of beliefs and 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 pagan gods and idols and so the the way idolatry worked back then if you wanted to get ahead you know something your your crops weren't growing your business was failing your family wasn't doing well or couldn't have children you might go to a particular temple and you would engage in some ritualistic action of sacrifice, having a sacrificial ritualistic meal, right? You might pay, You would it's kind of like a restaurant, you would pay, you would then have the meal, and then you would be communing with that idol, with that God, and through your payment, there was implied some obligation and the God has to bless you, okay? So you, it's a tit for tat kind of world. You go pay your money, lay your money down, and you're going to get a blessing as you as you do that. Or in some cases, the ritual action was of a sexual nature. And so you would go engage, to so pay some money, and then you would engage in ritual action of sexual uh, relationships with a temple prostitute. And it could be, it, so it's a patriarchal society, so the man would go to the temple, and it might be with a female prostitute, it might be with a male uh, a temple prostitute. And so... Sometimes there were sexual relations involved, sometimes it was the, the fellowship meal that was being taken place, okay? And so Paul's writing in that context, now Christian believers have come out from that. They no longer believe this is how it works, uh, that these are not real gods at all, these idols are nothing. Uh, but, but there's a belief system that's underneath it that Paul implies is demonic. Okay. What, what fellowship has Christ with Belial what, what fellowship has Jesus with the devil none Okay. And, and so the idea is it's not don't have friendships with unbelievers it's do not participate in the uh, ritualistic actions of the society around you that has underneath it beliefs that are in complete contradiction to God and to truth and to Jesus Okay. And so, so the, the Christian, the Corinthian Christian, can't go to church on Sunday, have the Lord's Supper. That's the ritual meal where we have fellowship with our God, right? And, and with, with his people. And then turn around on Monday and go also then participate in the ritualistic pagan uh, actions or go to a temple prostitute because, hey, you want your business to prosper. And, no, no, no. You must stop that engagement with that those uh, 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 false beliefs and 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 ideas and ideals and so one possible application of that today would be like participating in like the Masonic Lodge or Eastern Star I think those are kinda fading a little bit they're still they're still around but you know, the, the Masonic orders, um, the fraternal orders, um, I'm not talking Kiwanis, I'm not talking Chamber of Commerce and, and the Lions Club. Um, but where there are rituals, where there are secrets, where there are um, beliefs that are uh, held and, and you're sworn into a, an order that might have beliefs about the origins of life and what happens after death, which is, I think, the Masonic uh, Order and uh, Masonic Lodge and uh, the Eastern Star do, that would be a place where we would not participate. I think that would be a place, so if you can have a friendship with that person, but you don't go to the meeting, you can go have lunch and talk about March Madness, right, and who did you pick for the final four, You can do that, but don't go to the Lodge. Don't go to the Eastern Star meeting and participate in the secret ritual. So that would be a way of of differentiating. Um, The other passage that is cited that that kind of points in the same direction is 2 John. um, And and picking up in verse 7, many deceivers, so this is 2 John. There's just one chapter. So 2 John, verse 7. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Wah! So to deny the incarnation of Jesus Christ and to teach that, okay? So that was the situation John is, is responding to. Um, and so... Uh, He says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, talking about the teaching of of Jesus and the Father, okay? Um, Whoever can, uh, so verse nine, anyone who runs ahead does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So he's saying there's a difference. Some people believe there is no God The fool says in his heart, there's no God. Some people believe Jesus did not come in the flesh. There is no incarnation. That's all just a, you know, and there are people who who teach that. And there are those who do believe there is a God and he sent his son Jesus in the human flesh. So that's the differentiation that, that John is making here. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching of the Father and the Son, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. Now, There's a context here. There were these philosophers, these teachers, and they would wander from town to town. Think um, the traveling salesman, think the snake oil salesman, okay? So they're coming from town to town, and there was an expectation of hospitality. We didn't have, you know, Holiday Inn and Hampton Inn and the like back then. So the way that a wandering teacher or philosopher would come to town and they would be taken in for a season, for a day or a week, and then they would teach for a while and then they would move on to the next town. And so what John's saying is if somebody comes into the town where you live and you listen to their teaching And you conclude that they deny that Jesus has come in the flesh. They're teaching some alternative belief because most people teach the alternative belief. Most people do not believe Jesus came in the flesh, right? The fool says in his heart, there is no God. That person should not be, you should not extend hospitality to that person. So there's an expectation of hospitality in the ancient world in a way that does not you know, we, we just take our own family into our home. We don't, f- we don't have a town square where people show up and then we, you know, who's going to bring this family into our home? That's not the way we do hospitality in our society. So in the context of John's letter, you have wandering teachers who teach alternative messages. They bring a teaching that denies that Jesus is the Son of God, has come in the flesh, what John's saying is do not welcome that person into your home because if you do, and then that person sets up shop in your home, the assumption is going to be in the town that you agree with that person, that you are there sitting under them. You're, you're asking them in to be instructed by them in their teaching. And Christians should not do that. Okay? And so... Um, I don't know what the, what the equivalent's gonna be on that. You know, if an atheist friend or an agnostic friend invites you to go to some lecture, maybe you go with them for the purposes of debate and discussion, but maybe you go in the context of, yeah, I'll go to your lecture if you come to my church, and then let's sit down and have a conversation. So you're doing that for the purposes of witness. So we don't have quite the same equivalent in uh, to what John is talking about there. But what he's certainly not saying is don't have friendships with unbelievers. John is not saying, don't bring an unbeliever into your home. Of course you can have an unbeliever into your home. Now, if, now if somebody comes bringing the atheistic lecture and, and they're teaching us, don't bring that person into your home because people are going to assume possibly and wrongly that you're wanting to be instructed by this person. Now, the the lecturer is not going to stay in somebody's home. They're going to stay at the local hotel, right? And they're going to charge the fee that they get for speaking is going to cover that hotel. So there's just no equivalent. But what I am saying is these passages do not apply in the same way. So so I've heard those same passages. I don't think I've ever made the argument, but I've heard those passages over the years, and and so, hence the context sheds light, and we go, oh, okay. Um, so there are many passages opposing friendships with non-believers. I disagree with that. There are not many passages opposing friendships with non-believers. How can we bear witness? How can we influence people if we don't spend time with them? Jesus went to the tax collector and to the sinner and was accused of guilt by association and he was you know, tempted to be turned out of the synagogue and all the religious leaders poo-pooed him because they missed what his mission was. He came to seek and to save the lost, right? So we should have the same. So yes, we are to seek relationships and, and be a witness. Now, with respect to your children, let, let's talk about that. Um, we need to be really thoughtful about with whom our friends, our children make friends, okay? We live in a society, you know, our schools uh, draw from lots of places, lots of neighborhoods. We often don't know the people that our kids are becoming friends with. We don't know the families. So we don't know what they believe. We don't know what they practice in their home. Uh, we don't know uh, what, what uh, safeguards they've put in place around screen time, around television time, are there parental controls, Um, Are your children's friends participating in live action role plays? Are they participating in uh, the metaverse? Are they participating in internet communities that invite them and call them to identify as something, like the furry community or Dungeons and Dragons or things like this? And so I think you're right to be thoughtful about the friendships that your children are making. And this is where, you know, there's just no substitute for just getting in touch and getting to know the parents. So if your child is invited to a sleepover or to some kind of activity or party, it's not unrealistic to call the parents and say, hey, you know, we're the Meeks and you're the Jones. I'm sorry we haven't met, but I know our kids are friends. Hey, can you tell me a little bit more about the activity that, you know, little Jordan is inviting my son to participate in? And, you know, they, they tell you and... And you say, well, just, you know, I think they're going to do a sleepover after. Just a couple questions. Don't want to sound strange, but, you know, curious if you have parental controls on the television or on screens. Because, you know, kids these days, you know, you can kind of, you know, play it like that. And you'll hear from the parent, you know, are there guns in the house and are they locked? I mean, there's just all kinds of things that we need to know to, to, to uh, safeguard the, the, the well-being of our, our children because there are lots of fools who say there is no God. There are these communities, <laughs> these internet communities, these virtual communities, um, these gaming communities where there are people, there are bad actors. That's just all you can say, there's bad actors, um, the internet, I grew up, my kids, we turned them out in the backyard and we played Little League and wiffle ball and dance classes and we didn't have an internet. We did, but it was in a rudimentary form. and um, We didn't have smartphones, okay? But a smartphone now opens and exposes your child to a whole world of bad actors. Not all are bad actors, but there are many bad actors. And we just need to be aware of that. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with asking questions. And, and that may give rise to some witness, right? And say, well, I'm, you know, gee, why are, why are you asking all the que- I'm curious, why, why all the questions? And say, well, I, you know, I don't want you to think we're weirdos, but we are followers of Christ, and, and we do think that there are some activities that our children are, are not age-appropriate or appropriate uh, for, for, you know, our kids to participate in and don't want to make any judgment, but we're just trying to gain some information. And that becomes, so you engaging with the parent becomes an opportunity to bear witness uh, to your faith. Um, and then maybe say, would it be all right if we had little Jordan over at our house sometime, but, but we'd want you to know that on a Saturday night sleepover, we'll also be going to church. Um, we'd love to have you join us at, at church also. And that again, gives opportunity to, uh, to bear witness. Um, but particularly these communities that ask our children to identify as, mm, we have to be careful about that because now our child is being asked to try on a different identity, a different role, a different understanding of who they are. And frankly, There is a demonic world. There is a spiritual world of darkness that does wish to do harm to people and certainly the people of God. And I don't want to sound like I'm crazy here, but Paul writes, what fellowship has Christ with the devil? None. And so all of the identify as world, we need to be really thoughtful about that and do our our homework and research. So anyway, um. Yes, we should have friendships. Yes, we want to go to lunch. We want to have families over to our home. In fact, we want to build relationships and show other people that Christians are normal. (laughs) And yet we also believe things about the nature of reality, about the nature of humanity, things that are true and lasting. And um, so I encourage friendships with the unbelievers and the atheists, you know, be in these relationships. But let us also be willing to, um, as First Peter 3 says, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And so um, I, I think our world is giving us increased opportunities for witness if we will recognize them and if we'll have the courage and wisdom to step forward and actually bear witness. So anyway, great question. Thank you for that question. Hopefully this has clarified uh, some misconceptions about those Bible passages, okay? Let's close with prayer. Father, thank you uh, for the hope we have in Jesus Christ. And we pray for our friends. Each of us have friends who do not know you. We may have family members who do not know you. And we certainly have the the friends of our children may not know you as well. And so we pray for these particularly for parents and this particular parent who asked the question. <clears throat> I pray for wisdom and humility and courage and compassion, all that is necessary to continue to go forward uh, as a faithful witness. And may we bear faithful witness to friends and neighbors uh, alike. Uh, Lord, you've made us such. And thank you, Jesus, for being a friend to sinners like ourselves. And so hear our prayers. If we make them now in your name, even as you taught us to pray together, saying May God keep you, may God watch over you, may God protect you and your children and loved one and household, but may God use you as a faithful witness to friends, to family, to neighbors. May he do it this day and forevermore. Amen.